Hello, and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. So, with the Lord's help, I'd like to, uh, in some way, stir up the passion or the zeal of the Lord in you for good works. That's what I want to do, hopefully. And we're going to look at one sentence that Paul spoke in Titus, the book of Titus, and then a story from the Old Testament, book of Numbers, and maybe a few other little verses sprinkled in as needed. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence with us. We're so thankful, Lord, that we don't have to beg you to be with us. You're with us even when we don't realize it, when we don't acknowledge you. But we trust you now, Lord, and I trust you to help me. I want to I want to I want to yield myself to you that I can in some way be an inspiration and uh, and stir up that passion and that zeal that is is you inside of each one of us. So thank you, Jesus. I want to start with Titus chapter 2. Like I said, it's one sentence of Paul. You're like, oh good, it's only one sentence. Well, have you seen any of his sentences? Right? He's got some big sentences. And I, I've said this before, but I, it just strikes me as funny that, uh, you know, when Paul was in English class and they were dealing out punctuation, he got, he got short shift on the periods. But he got an overload of commas and semicolons. And so he's like, let's throw one in there. I got to use these. I'll put one and another one. It is true, isn't it? And so when I say one sentence, you're like, that eh, doesn't give me any encouragement or hope. Uh, but I want, to, I want to give you some encouragement and hope, okay? Titus chapter 2. I'll tell you what I'd like to do. I'd like to read the sentence and then go back and pick it apart a little bit. Is that okay? Yeah. We read the sentence. Okay. And I'm just going to read. I think that's the uh, same version. Okay, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. You just keep going there. Instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. That's one sentence. Run on sentence. Run on sentence. I don't know. He had appropriate punctuation in there, so I think, okay. So you see that last phrase, zealous for good deeds. Okay, that's, what, that's kind of my theme that I want to, uh, you know, I want to hopefully uh, 
I don't know, expound on, explain. I just want to hammer that home, okay? Because I'll tell you what, the Lord wants, the Lord is zealous. You know, one of the, you know, the zeal of the Lord, okay? He's got, he's, he's a passionate father. He's a, he's a passionate savior. And that he hasn't like diminished in that. He hasn't run out of passion. He hasn't run out of zeal. Actually, he's put it in us to be passionate, to be zealous for good deeds, not just deeds, good deeds. Okay, so let me go back and start out here because we got some phraseology to work through, okay? It starts out, when the... Uh, am I in the right place? When the kindness of God are... No. I got the wrong... I just flipped over one, didn't I? Flipped over a chapter. I know. You guys work. You guys work with me. You've... You've seen me before. For the grace of God has appeared. Okay? Grace. Listen, this is the grace of God that has appeared. Okay? And let me just, I got to do this because I did it yesterday and I'm just like, grace, charis or charis, however you say this. You're going to see that this describes Dylan's wife. Okay? But here's the definition of grace. Okay, it's from this Greek word charis or charis, however you pronounce it. Okay, that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, grace of speech, goodwill, loving kindness, favor, of the merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ. That's what we talk about, you know, the divine favor or empowerment of God. That's grace, okay? This is, okay, I'm just getting wound up here a little bit because I love it. Turns them to Christ. I lost my place. Go back there. I like full definition. Yeah, let's see the full definition, right? Of the merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ, keeps strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to the exercise of the Christian virtues. Kindles them. Oh, I remember that. That reminded me when I was a Boy Scout and we had to build a fire with one match. Anybody else had to do that? We had one match and we were out and it was kind of cold when I was, I don't know, it was going for some merit badge or something. And one little match, you know, I'm going to make this work. And so we got some kindling, right? We got some, like, dried leaves and little twigs. You don't want to start with a big log, you know. You got a little teeny match. You want to start with some kindling, right? Anybody with me? Okay, so listen, God, and, and then, you know what, thank God it worked. You know, you cup your hands around it, and, oh, Jesus, please. I don't think I prayed like that then. But anyways, it worked, okay? So listen, kindling, you had to have the kindling. It says this grace kindles them to exercise the Christian virtues. So that tells me he's the fire, we're the kindling. You got it in you to be kindled. And kindled, okay? I'm going to kindle. I'll kindle you a little bit this morning, hopefully with the Lord's help. Okay, but this is all talking about grace. We got to keep going because there's, I got to. 
Well, there is more, Jason. For the grace of God has appeared. Okay, that's a past tense. Remember, John said, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Remember that? So Jesus came, and grace came with him. The grace of God. I'm just going off of here. And see, the thing about going off of here is whenever I move, I lose it. But you guys are patient. For the grace of God has appeared, so it already appeared. It has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. That's pretty inclusive, right? So does that mean everybody's saved right now? I don't necessarily think so, or maybe they are by God's estimation, but they just don't realize it. It could be one or the other. That's where I am right now with it, okay? Because I'm going to leave that up to God because I know he's the, Jesus is the Savior. But we're participants in that. The grace of God has appeared, okay? We know that's Jesus, okay? Bringing salvation. He's bringing salvation. That's why he wants to stir up the good works in us so we can be carriers of that good news, that salvation, right? I mean, th this, is, this is a grand uh, effort that we're involved with, guys. So we need some passion, okay? Bringing salvation to all men, instructing us. Oh, man, this, this, is what, this is what really hit me with this. One of the things really hit me. Okay, the grace of God, if you, if you bracket to the side that the, between those two commas, bringing salvation to all men, and if you just go, the grace of God has appeared instructing us. Guys... This alone is transformational. The grace of God is our teacher. I never quite thought about it like that. The grace of God is our instructor. Don't you love that? Don't get too excited about it. Listen, your teacher is named Grace. You have a graceful teacher. I find that pretty cool. Thank you, Lord, for, for your grace, not only bringing salvation to all men, but instructing us, teaching us. Now, look, just teaching us what? Well, here's some specifics right here. Teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. It's the grace of God that is teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. You're not just fighting this battle on your own, guys. You've got the perfect teacher that's teaching you how to do this. A few weeks ago when Ben was speaking and he mentioned uh, Romans 5 and he went through that list uh, you know, of hope and endurance and, and perseverance and, and it, it comes back to hope. And he said, uh, you know, that to be encouraged, you have to be willing to be encouraged. To be taught, you need to be willing to be taught. I told you guys before how I was not the best student in high school, so I'm not going to go back and repeat some of those stories. But thank God, I, something clicked in me that I said, I want to be a better student. And in the school of grace, you need to be willing to be taught. 
How many in here are willing to be taught? Let me see your hand. Some of you need to put your hand up. Like, I don't know if I am or not, but I'm going to put my hand up. No. Yeah, we're willing to be taught. Thank you, Jason. The grace of God is teaching us to deny uh, unrighteousness and, and worldly desires. We need taught with that, guys. Listen, if you're carrying around a phone, you need taught with that, or at least reminded of what you've been taught. But it doesn't just, we're not just denying stuff. We're not just denying. This is what the, the grace of God is teaching us, not just to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, but on the other hand, to live sensibly, righteously, and godly. This is what the grace of God is teaching us to do. Do you hear me? Yeah. And when? When is it teaching us to do this? In the sweet by and by? In the present age. Guys, I want to tell you, if you've been waiting for a now word from God, here's one for today. And you know what? This will be a now word for you tomorrow. That you've got the grace of God in your life as your willing instructor, teaching you to de deny ungodliness and, and worldly desires, but to live sensibly, righteously, and godly lives. That sounds pretty good to me. I'm glad I don't have to do that on, on my own without, and, and, and even being taught, we still learn by mistake. Let me tell you something about this. How many like pop quizzes in school? I, for one, never did real well with those. Once in a while, maybe. But generally, it was like, why today, of all days, are we having a pop quiz? You know, it used to be with one teacher, it was like Fridays are pop quiz. Okay, I know, we're going to have pop quiz. Maybe I'll look. But, you know, then the teachers got wise to us. And they're like, no, no, we're going to do one on Monday. Pop quiz on Monday. Okay, let me tell you, Grace is such a perfect teacher that we're having pop quizzes all the time. Seriously. Because something's going to happen and you're going to have to say, ah, I gave into a worldly desire. And did my teacher get disappointed in me? Did my teacher stop teaching me? No. Because not only does your t is your teacher perfect, your teacher loves you, and your teacher knows what your future is going to be. You have a hopeful teacher. I find that very encouraging, and I hope you do. The teacher is perfectly patient. Thank you, Jason. To live sensibly, this is... Listen, to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Don't you want to do that? I want to do that. There was, a, there was a time in my life when I didn't want to. I didn't think about such things. But now that I'm thinking about such things, I want, I, I want in that. I want in on that. Not just for the reward, but because this is, well, <laughs> for the reward. Jesus is the reward, and we're included in him. So rewards are there, but we're not just doing it for what's in it for me. We're, we're going to see that it's what's in it for us. Still in the same sentence, to live, you know, so 
Grace is instructing us to teach, to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, to live sensibly. Don't, it, don't you want, to, want it to be said of you that you're living sensibly? Yeah. I lived non-sensibly for quite a few years. Really, worse than non-sensibly. Sound mind. Oh my God, I want that. Don't you? Yes. And it's available. And it, you just don't have to go and do it on I mean, you've got a good teacher. See, I'm trying to hammer this home. You've got the, the grace of God is teaching you. My, if you if you're, you got the grace of God teaching you and you're a willing learner, something's going to happen. It's going to be good. So be encouraged. Now, but see, it's still the same sentence, okay? To live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. What do you, when on that phrase, what do you, what's the first thing you think of? Nobody's thinking. <laughs> what's the second thing you think of? Does anybody think the second coming? Every time I used to read that, it was the second coming. Well, I'm not going to stand here and say it's not the second coming. But I also think it might be the third coming and the fourth coming and the fifth coming and the sixth. Because Jesus is always coming. So, but what, whenever I peg it on just the second coming, what I do is I don't look for him now. I don't look for his glorious appearing of our great God and Savior and also our teacher. Right now, you see what I mean? I'm saying in this, someday he's going to come again and I've got X amount of whatever to get my act together. Or not, oh, Jesus, thank you for mercy. But no, what Paul's saying is, look, grace is teaching you to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and instead live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age right now, comma, looking for the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus. In other words, if I'm looking for him, I'm going to find him. This is what grace is teaching us. Do you see what I mean? This, this will flip over our whole concept of like out there somewhere. Listen, Jesus is going to take care of out there somewhere. So we don't have to worry about that. What he's concerned with is in this present age, right now. This is, we got a great teacher. teacher. See, this is really a good sentence, isn't it? How many like this sentence? Mark, do you like this sentence? Ben, do you like this sentence? Steph, do you like this sentence? Matt, of course, he's a teacher. Jason, I see that hand. Let's continue with the sentence. You see what I mean? Just give that some consideration that I'm looking for Jesus now. My teacher has, has instructed me and is leading me to, hey, look for Jesus now. Look for his appearing now. Okay, our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, comma, who gave himself to redeem us from every lawless deed. 
Okay, so we know that he gave himself willingly, okay, to redeem us, okay? Buy us back is the old definition, whatever, pay our whatever we might have owed or think we owed, right? From every lawless deed. That takes care of all the past ones, but it can take care of the now ones because we're doing this in the present age. See, this is, yes, Dan, uh, Daniel. Mine says, rather than lawless deeds, mine says wickedness. Cool. That too, right? All this is what grace has in a, an, an agenda with, with, with teaching us from, from wickedness, from every... From all wickedness, okay? So this is what Christ gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness. So that means my past wickedness, but what about the choices that I make right now? See, if I deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and instead I live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm negating some wicked deeds that I could have done if I would have not denied ungodliness and, and worldly desires. Are you with me? Yes. In other words, I've got, I always have a choice to make. This is why I say there's always pop quizzes. There, it, it's like a pop quiz is going on right now, in case you didn't know. A pop quiz. Like, what's going through your mind? Lunch? Not yet. It's only like, we got time, people. You were thinking about it. <laughs> Anyways, it is a pop quiz. What are you doing? Come on, what are you doing in your mind? So, do you see what I mean? From every lawless deed, from every wickedness. Do you ever, I can't remember where the verse is right now. Somebody might know, like redeeming the time. That's, this is redeeming the time. That talked about redemption, right? Like, I get to participate, you get to participate with redemption. Do you see what I mean? It's like, oh, wait, I'm at home alone, what, you know, I die, I don't know what I'm going to do. Just wait a minute. I can redeem the time here. I, grace is, the grace of God is teaching me. Oh, that's, I tell you, that's powerful. It really is. I don't know if I have anything more in that or not. Okay, to purify, oh yeah, okay, the grace, uh, to redeem us from every lawless deed, thank you for tracking along with me, Angie, really, uh, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. Do you want to be possessed? Jason wants to be possessed. God wants to possess you. Isn't that, that, that that's, that's powerful, isn't it? God wants Jesus. God wants to possess you. But it's, it's, it's notice that was plural. He didn't want, he, he wants to possess you, but he wants to possess you in the midst of a other group of people that are all possessed. God wants to possess us. I mean, you know, I don't even want to say my BC years because I was straightened out on that. But there was a time in the past when I acted like I was possessed not by God, 
I, I, maybe I'll tell you a personal story, okay? It was one time when I was in a particular season or mode when I was like carrying on and indulging in things I shouldn't have been indulging. I'll just say that. And I was an art student. Well, I was a former art student. That was one of my times of dropping out. But I was doing little self-portrait sketches, and I did one uh, in this oval mirror that my sister had put in the basement, and she had painted stars around it. Uh, this is back in the day, okay, when people did such things. Anyways, I looked in there, and I was high. I'm just going to be honest and transparent with you. And I made a sketch. And the next day, I looked at the sketch, and I saw the devil. True story. What I'm saying, now, you know, God's bigger than that, okay? But what I'm saying is without realizing it, we can be possessed by worldly desires. I'm not possessed. I get up every day and do my job, you know, pay my bills. God wants to possess us. God wants to possess you. He wants us to stir up within us the desire for him to possess us. Look at this. Last phrase, last, we just, by passing the last comma, to purify for himself a people for his own possession, commas, comma, zealous for good deeds. You say, oh yeah, I'll do good, you know, like I'll be the good Samaritan, I guess I'll go across the road and help this bloody guy. Or to say, get up in the morning and say, Lord, I want to be, I want you to possess me today. And I want to be available for good deeds. Now, good deeds, you say, okay, good deeds. It's good to do good deeds. And Jocelyn talked about serving a few weeks ago, and that was, I was with the kids, but I listened to it. That, I, that was very encouraging. And she talked about the substance of God, you know, actually manifesting when, he, when Jesus served. So this is kind of along those lines a little bit, but, I mean, come on stirring up this passion, this jealousy within us, this zeal for good deeds is what God is after. But I want us to look at, uh, I got a verse in Matthew 5, 16. You guys have seen this one before. Matthew 5, 16, in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and what? So good deeds have a, a direction. Good deeds are for something. It's just not we're doing good deeds because it's good to do good deeds. Yes, it is good to do good deeds. But notice, look at this. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. I get, I, I'm doing a good work, but I'm doing a good work in such a way. And I'm allowing my, the light that's in me to shine on the good work. But we know that's not to be, to be self-centered 
we're to be uh, proud, we're to be vain, but it's, it's, it's for the glory of God. You see that? That's multiplication. So, so our good deeds has an end. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we're included in the glory. See, we're, we're, it, it's a win-win with, with Jesus. See, our heart motive matters. I don't, I'm not going to take time to go into this too much. But I'll just throw it out there, okay? Because you can read in, uh, you know, Ephesians and in Colossians both, we read about putting off the old person and putting on the new person, remember? Or the old self and the new self. Or the false version of me and put on the true version of me. Okay, so heart motives matter. So this is just me. When I look at this, I think that there's outward good works and inward good works. Because I think the inward good works is what's going on in my heart. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I doing this to be seen of men so I will get some praise and credit? That doesn't sound like a godly desire, does it? I'm serving so I get something out of it. So see, that's in, so I can, I can participate with the Spirit of the Lord in a good work in me if I'm honest before the Lord in my private time. And that's why I'll tell you, it's just good to sit with the Lord. Just sit with him. I mean, this is, this is the grace of God that's teaching us, like coming to class all mouthy and everything, right? What am I going to learn? But if I come in and I can learn to, to still myself in the presence of the teacher. And I might say, well, what's, what are we talking about today? And I see that, that the goal is his glory that includes me, includes you, a people possessed by him. It's a good, it's a, it's a, it's a good goal we're aiming at. And it's going to continue, okay, because <laughs> this is a Lifelong, you know, he says his favor lasts a lifetime. How long is a lifetime for a believer? So his favor is always on you. We got to go to the Old Testament. Book of Numbers, chapter 25. We start on it. Some of you guys already know the story. You're going to say, oh, that one. Oh, I got to go back. I'm. My finger doesn't think very well. <laughs> it's my brain. Oh, look. So this story, this, <clears throat> excuse me, this is Israel, okay? Haven't entered a promised land, kind of getting poised to go into it. What do they do? <clears throat> they get their eyes off the Lord. Israel remained <clears throat> at Shittim. The people began to play the harlot with the daughters of Moab. They've taken their eyes off the Lord. I'm starting at verse 1 in, 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 in uh, Numbers 25. They invited, the people invited 
uh, they, that's going to be the Moabites, in, invited the people, that's the Israelites, to the sacrifices of their God. And so what the people ate and bowed down to their God. The people, the, the Israelites gave into it, okay? So Israel joined themselves to Baal of Peor. Peor is a mountain. That's the one that uh, Balak took uh, Balaam up on top of and wanted them to curse Israel, and, and, he, and the Lord wouldn't let him do that. So it's a high mountain. And Baal of Peor, that's the god. In other words, they're, they're worshiping a, a, a false god, Baal, on top of this mountain. And, and the, the, uh, the, the Moabites or the Midianites are enticing uh, the people of Israel to participate with this pagan worship to the point of offering things to idols and then eating it. And so the, the Israelites were totally, you know, off course here as far as their perception. Not all of them, but a good many of them, as we'll see. Verse 4, the Lord, so, you know, the Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of the people and execute them in broad daylight before the Lord. Whoo! The wages of sin is death. Sin has consequences. The Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of the people, you know, there's 12 tribes, right? And execute them in broad daylight before the Lord so that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, in other words, you know, some in each of the 12 tribes, each of you slay his men who have joined themselves to Baal of Peor. So this is a serious consequence that's coming down because of their giving in to ungodliness and worldly desires. Verse 6, Then behold, one of the sons of Israel came and brought to his relatives a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the sons of Israel while they were weeping at the doorway of the tent of meeting. So here comes this Israelite with this Midianite woman. He's got a hot Midianite babe on his arm. And he goes right past Moses and the elders, right to his family, and goes into the tent with her. Now, I read this several times in several versions. You know, it, it talks about the tent. It talks about, it, just prior, it talked about the tent of meeting. I'm like, oh, God, he didn't go into the tent of meeting with her, did he? I don't know. It said he went into the tent. God's a cool author. He always leaves something for us to grapple with on our own. Right, Jay? But you get the picture, right? Verse 7, then Phinehas, the son, the son of Eleazar, the, the, uh, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it. This is Phinehas, right? Phinehas saw it. He arose from the midst of the congregation, took a spear in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and pierced both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through the body. Okay. Phineas was not messing around. 
Phineas, Phineas measured the situation. He took stock of what was happening, of what God had said. And as he weighed the situation, he decided that he could manifest and make a difference. And manifest he did. He grabs a spear, he goes right where they are, and boom, he lunges through both of them. And it says, so the plague on the sons of Israel was checked. Those who died by the plague were 24,000. It, know, it had already been a serious matter. 24,000 had died, and then Phineas, you know, when he saw it, it was like, this is the last straw. That he's going to do this in front of us, He's, you know, he's, going to to, he's just totally disregarding the Lord. And so he took matters into his own hands. Verse 10. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned away my wrath from the sons of Israel in that he was jealous with my jealousy. Do you see that? Phineas was not just jealous on his own. Phineas was jealous with, jealous with the jealousy of the Lord. In other words, enough of this. We're going to stop it, and we're going to stop it now. And Phineas manifests big time. He has turned away my wrath from the sons of Israel in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them so that I did not destroy the sons of Israel in my jealousy. Therefore say, behold, I give him my covenant of peace and it shall be for him and his descendants after him a covenant of a perpetual priesthood because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the sons of Israel. I see multiplication all over that. First of all, how many Israelites were spared initially? 24,000 had already bit the dust one way or the other. How many were spared? How many were teetering on the fence? They're like, maybe I should go. She's a cute Midianite woman. Maybe, I, maybe I'll ask. Maybe I'll go. And all of a sudden this happens. He's like, I ain't going anywhere near those Midianite women. let alone any of the other myriad of temptations are offering me a burger and say, oh, by the way, this was offered to Baal this afternoon, but it's really tasty. I'll go ahead and take it. No, I don't want anything to do with that. Making stuff up as I go along. You can tell. You guys know me. Right? Okay, now the, the name, now the, verse 14, now the name of the slain man of Israel who was slain with the Midianite woman was Zimri, the son of Salu, a leader of the father's household among the Simeonites. The name of the Midianite woman who was slain was Cosby, the daughter of Zor, who was head of the people of a father's house in Midian. Cosby. Cosby. The way you remember that, Cosby, she was the cause 
by which Zimri lost his life. Caused by. Let me tell you, this is the first time the word spear is mentioned in Scripture. The very first time. That's significant. What happened at the first mention of the word spear? Well, basically, it was initiated by the jealousy of God to stop ungodly behavior. Are you with me? That's the first time we see spear mentioned. When do you think the last time we see spear mentioned in Scripture was? Exactly. The only time that spear is mentioned in the New Testament and the last time that spear mentioned in Scripture is when Jesus took the spear on the cross and blood and water came out. So the first time when Phineas grabbed it, stopped unrighteousness, Jesus on the cross, last time Spears mentioned, he sure stops unrighteousness. But we have been, oh, what, what word could I use? We, we have been invited into participation with the continuing effort of Jesus by his spirit to participate with the stop of unrighteousness in humanity. And the grace of God, my friends, is teaching us how to do that. The goal of good works is multiplied glory to our Father. There was multiplication for Phineas's immediate family when he obeyed, when he allowed the jealousy of God to take him and work through him. And it ongoing for descendants after him. I wrote manifest, the goodness of the Lord will affect our collective humanity for good. Measure your surroundings for how the zeal or jealousy of the Lord is leading or prompting you to act. A lot of times it's like, wait, pause, listen. But sometimes it's act. Now, I'm not suggesting you go out and buy a bunch of spears. Unless they're asparagus. <laughs> I said that for you, Amanda. <laughs> Trust the Lord, trust the Lord to multiply and to show you how to continue to measure and manifest the situation. The grace of God, ho, oh, will teach you, will teach you, constantly teaching you. Is it worth it? Yes, it's worth it. God wants us to be a people possessed by him, jealous for, his, for good works with his jealousy, let me read, let me close by reading to you. Well, we'll pray, because that's what we do. And we want to pray. Oh, we need to pray. But look, I want to read just a, a little bit from this book to just give us an idea about how the grace of God will lead us and the Spirit of God will empower us to actually be zealous for good works 
Dionysius was a pagan scholar who converted to Christ and became Bishop of Alexandria in 247 CE. So this is, this is history, this is Christian history, okay? A position that Dionysius held until his death in 268. In a letter to fellow Christians, Dionysius describes a plague that struck Alexandria. Some suspect this plague maybe took his, Dionysius' life. Here's what he had to say. So this is what Dionysius wrote. He said, most of our brethren were unsparing in their exceeding love and brotherly kindness. They held fast to each other and visited the sick fearlessly. This is during a plague. They ministered to them continually, serving them in Christ, and they died with them most joyfully, taking the affliction of others and drawing the sickness from their neighbors to themselves and willingly received their pains. That sounds like some good works going on that they were willing to do. Dot, dot, dot. But with the heathen, everything was quite otherwise. They deserted those who began to be sick and fled from their dearest friends. And they cast themselves out into the street where they were half dead and left the dead like refuse unburied. Totally heartless. But did you notice that the Christian brothers and sisters did not turn away? They were zealous for good works. Can we stand, please? Just take a minute in your own heart. Let's just do a little minute or two of just quiet time before the Lord right now and just let the Lord, let the, the grace of God, our instructor, just speak to your heart however he or she wants to. God brought something to your attention or maybe just encouraged you in some way I'm not going to play Holy Spirit here but if God brought something to your attention and you're just beginning to start recognize or delve into it don't forget it put a pin there and go back to it later please Grace of God, we thank you, we honor you. 
Lord Jesus, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Your faithfulness, your zeal, your passion for Father God and for all of humanity. And so we want to honor you, not just here in these moments, Lord, but we want to honor you with our lives. What will be written of us years later? How did we respond to opportunities to do good works, good deeds, and to allow your light in us to shine on them that you may be glorified, Father? May we see more clearly the opportunity, the grand opportunity of consciously being, seeing ourselves as enrolled in the school of grace. Even in this week ahead of us, Lord, we just ask you, Holy Spirit, to quicken our hearts, quicken our minds, and help us to be willing participants, participants in the school of grace and to actually want to be stirred up and to be zealous for good works that you might be glorified, Father. I just speak blessing in your name, Lord Jesus, over everyone here, everyone listening, and over family members and loved ones that aren't with us here. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen, guys. Amen. Go and have a great life. World Harvest Outreach is located in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but we have family around the world. To connect with us, Visit us at whocenterpa.com.